The following podcast contains explicit language. But I think he's calculated that he could get support even if he shot someone, but if he released his taxes, he'd lose support. So there's something in those taxes that's even worse than shooting someone on Fifth Avenue. Uh, I've given my financials. They're extraordinary. This is not like a normal tax return. This is no, a I understand that. What is your tax rate? Uh, it's none of your business. You'll see it when I release. Uh, we'll look at that. Maybe I'm going to do the tax returns when Obama does his birth certificate. I, I saw something today that said, uh, I emailed the tax returns. You didn't get them, Hillary? <laughs> Hello and welcome to Trumpcast, the show about the man who could lose Georgia, Donald Trump. Georgia, that could really happen. I'm Jacob Weisberg. Have you been wondering why Donald Trump won't release his tax returns? Here are some of the top possibilities. One, he doesn't want people to know how little money he really makes. Two, he doesn't want people to find out about all his connections to Russian oligarchs. Three, he doesn't want people to know that he doesn't give any money to charity. Four, he takes huge deductions for hair processing. All right, maybe nobody thinks that. My guest today is a Trump expert and a tax expert who says there's another simpler reason. Donald Trump doesn't pay any income taxes. He also knows all about how Donald Trump screwed up in Atlantic City. I'll be back with that interview right after we do the tweets. Crooked Hillary Clinton is being protected by the media. She's not a talented person or politician. The dishonest media refuses to expose. Crooked Hillary is flooding the airways with false and misleading ads, all paid for by her bosses on Wall Street. Media is protecting her. They will soon be calling me Mr. Brexit. The reporting at the failing New York Times gets worse and worse by the day. Fortunately, it is a dying newspaper. It is not freedom of the press when newspapers and others are allowed to say and write whatever they want, even if it is completely false. I have been drawing very big and enthusiastic crowds, but the media refuses to show or discuss them. Something very big is happening. Hashtag, where's Hillary? Sleeping. My guest today is the investigative journalist David K. Johnston. He's a former New York Times reporter, and he is the author of a new book called The Making of Donald Trump. David, welcome to the show. Well, Jacob, thank you for having me. So you've uh, you've assembled a lot of files on Donald Trump. Uh, yeah, I probably have the largest private collection of Trump documents because Wayne Barrett, who was the first reporter to get onto him, shared all of his with me. So you take his and mine and I think we have more than anybody, including the Washington Post. But I could be wrong. So how did you get onto this story? I mean, I assume you're not just a Trump obsessive as a hobby. You started no. covering him as a journalist uh, back in the 80s, right? Right. I left the L.A. Times, where I'd been an investigative reporter for years, and went to Atlantic City 
for the Philadelphia Inquirer in 1988 because I believed casino gambling was going to take off and spread all across the country. And I thought somebody should document, did the government really clean up this industry and how did regulation work? And within days of arriving, I met Donald. I quickly sized Trump up as a modern P.T. Barnum selling you a ticket to the Fiji Mermaid. And then I began learning from his competitors and some of the people who worked for him and gamblers that Donald didn't know anything about the casinos. He didn't know the games, he didn't know the odds, he didn't know management of customers. All Donald knew was how to draw media attention and how to take money out of the buildings as fast as he could. So one of the things you focus on a lot, David, is what it takes to legally have a casino license and how Trump got around that. They have really strict rules, right? I mean, you can't have any criminal background. You can't have any association with criminals. How did Donald Trump get around those rules? Well, understand how strict the rules are. The standard in law is that a woman applying to be a blackjack dealer, that's a very low-level license, who did not reveal she had given discounts to her friends at the cash register when she was a teenager, was found morally unfit and denied a license. That's a pretty high standard. When Donald applied for a casino license, he persuaded the attorney general of New Jersey, who was about to run for governor, to not do the thorough investigation done of every other casino owner that typically lasted 18 months. He agreed to do it in six months, and they did it in five. Donald withheld important material, including the fact that there had been four different FBI and grand jury investigations of him. That should have prevented him from getting a license, but because at the very last moment he told the state about it, they overlooked that. And after that happened, once Donald had been approved, the New Jersey Division of Gaming Enforcement made sure that no matter what Donald was accused of, associations with a a major cocaine trafficker and doing business with him, dealings with other people, that they never asked a question which would cause them to have to acknowledge they had made a mistake. That is, they had a common interest with Donald in protecting his license. Because let's be realistic, once this guy's operating a casino there, you can't take his license away. You sure don't want to take his license away. I mean, a lot of jobs depend on that. A lot of revenue for the state depends well, on that. Well, actually, Jacob, the law provided for this. Uh, the state would step in as a trustee. The casino would be sold, and a new licensee would take over. If he were to collapse, which is what came up in 1990 when Donald couldn't pay his bills, and I broke the story that he wasn't a billionaire, and the official government documents a couple months later confirmed that, that would have been a disaster because if the state had not taken Donald's side against his bankers, he would have collapsed and all these jobs would have been lost. So Donald early on was a beneficiary of a too-big-to-fail policy, not for bankers but for a casino owner. Let's talk about uh, some of these characters who were hanging around with Trump when he had the casino and who could have caused him to lose his license if the story had come out. These are some uh, colorful characters. There's a guy called Joseph Wexelbaum. Is that how you say his name? Yep, Joey Wexelbaum. He's a mob associate who was a major cocaine trafficker and who actually handled the drugs, which is a little unusual for somebody who's a trafficker. He was indicted over his shipments of up to 1,500 pounds in Cincinnati, Ohio, along with his crew. And once he agreed to plead guilty, his case was mysteriously moved, and I mean nobody can explain this, to New Jersey. None of the crimes were in New Jersey. They were in Miami and they were in uh, Ohio and states near Ohio. And it came before a federal judge named Marianne Trump Berry, Donald's older sister. Now, she removed herself from the case, but in doing that, she had to explain that 
she flew in this drug trafficker's helicopters because this guy supplied Donald Trump with his helicopters and managed Donald's personal helicopter, the Ivana. Her husband, a lawyer for Trump, flew in Donald's helicopters. So here you have a federal judge who regularly is involved with the commercial interests of this drug trafficker. Well, it got moved to another judge. Donald wrote a letter pleading for mercy for this guy because he was a stand-up guy, a diligent guy. And the little fish in this ring, they got up to 20 years in prison. Joe Wexelbaum, he got 18 months, and when he got out, he moved into Trump Tower. So why does, I mean, uh, there are a lot of accusations about Trump that, that I believe, but uh, boy, he doesn't seem like someone who even wants to hang around with drug dealers. He's certainly not interested in drugs himself. He doesn't even take a sip of wine. Why did he have this involvement with a with a known cocaine trafficker? Well, that's sort of the great mystery here, because you're right. Donald doesn't uh, drink and Donald doesn't do drugs. So why would Donald risk his casino license by writing this letter, which he originally told the Division of Gaming Enforcement he didn't write, and then when shown the letter, he said, oh yeah, that's my signature, and then they dropped it. And the only answer that makes any sense at all is Donald needed this guy to be his friend and not his enemy, and he needed him so badly that he would risk his casino license. What was their involvement? Well, we don't know, and that should be very, very disturbing. Uh, What I say in my book, The Making of Donald Trump, is the most logical thing to ask him about is, were you investing with him? It's very profitable to invest in drug deals. So, all right, tell me about Joey No Socks, a.k.a. the (laughs) the preppy Don. Yes, the preppy Don. So Joey No Socks is a mob associate who sort of would like to hang out with, uh, as he put it, Muffy in Manhattan. <laughs> and he is a, he's an art thief as well. So he created something or took over something called the American Academy of Hospitality Arts and Sciences or something like that. And it gives awards. Its board, a majority of whom were people from the Trump organization, including Donald Trump, although Trump says, I never went to a board meeting, and I'm sure that's probably true. At least 19 Donald Trump properties, hotels, restaurants, golf courses, have on the wall big plaques, Five Diamond Resort or Six Diamond Resort. And Joey calls his awards the most prestigious award in the world. And by the way, those awards that hang in the Trump properties are signed by Donald J. Trump. In other words, Donald Trump gives himself awards. And it's a, but it's a shakedown. It's a protection rack. The, the awards are meaningless, but you pay to get them. Well, I don't think Donald pays to get them. Donald's right. <laughs> name is on them, and, and it's a shakedown of other people if they want to get one because the Trump name is there and you pay to get one. Was he smart about some of this? I mean, back in when, in the, when he was constructing a lot of buildings in the 80s in New York, mob was obviously involved in that business. Didn't he make an effort to keep his distance from these characters? I mean, at least if you had to deal with uh, Fat Tony or whoever, you know, go through Roy Cohn or go through someone else so you're not directly connected to them. Well, in the construction business in New York back then, you had to deal with the mob. They controlled the Teamsters and the cement workers and a bunch of other unions, including the house wreckers. And Donald did his dealings primarily through the notorious Roy Cohn, who was his uh, mentor. He's described him as his second father. And he's also said that the great thing about Roy is he would brutalize for you. But the difference is the other big developers in New York, notably the Resnick and LaFrac families, they went to the FBI and said, would you please rid us of these mobsters? We've got guys who have you know, done things like 
put a knife to the throat of one of our telephone operators and threatened to kill her if we didn't do what these guys want. And Rudy Giuliani's crew eventually got this broken up and these guys sent to prison. Donald didn't run to the FBI for help. He ran to Roy Cohn to make friends with these mobsters. So when there was a cement strike in 1982, when he was building Trump Tower, which is a concrete building, not a steel girder building, every construction site in New York that was getting concrete shut down except one, Trump Tower. And Donald bought his concrete from SNA Concrete, secretly owned by Fat Tony Salerno, the head of the Gambino family, and Paul Castellano, the head of the Genovese family. Which is where you had to buy your concrete from. I'm- yeah, they weren't the only supplier, but one way or another, you were going to deal with the mob if you bought concrete. And one of the charges that sent Tony Salerno to prison for life was uh, the excess price that Donald paid for concrete for another building of his on the Upper East Side of New York. So, David, another thing you know a lot about is Trump's taxes. You probably haven't seen the returns, but if we were to see those returns, what will we learn, do you think, about Donald Trump taxpayer? Donald probably has not paid taxes in uh, almost 40 years. We know he didn't pay income taxes from various public records in 1978, 1979, and in the early 90s. And I broke the story recently that he didn't pay any in 1984, and we know that from two tax audits, one by the state of New York and the city of New York. Your state of New York tax return is is essentially identical unless you're a retiree with your federal return. Donald uh, reported that 1984, his biggest year up to that point, that's when all the money from selling Trump Tower apartments and rent started coming in and when his first casino opened. So it was his biggest year. Um, he filled out a, had filed a tax return for what's called a Schedule C. It's what freelancers and sole proprietors do with zero income and over $600,000 of deductions. State and city auditor said, uh, please justify these deductions. He couldn't. And then Donald told his longtime tax guy, who's a lawyer and a CPA, to file an appeal. So there were trials held in both cases. And in the city trial, the tax return was shown to Donald's tax guy, who said, um, that's my signature, but I didn't prepare that tax return. That's pretty good evidence of tax fraud. The judge uh, was highly skeptical of it. Um, No one could find the original return, only the photocopy. And my first investigative reporting award more than 40 years ago was for proving somebody used a photocopier to put his name on somebody else's records and then run a whole bunch of scams off of it. Unfortunately, we don't know more. The state routinely destroyed the records, but we do know Donald paid no income taxes that year. But that's a civil case, $600,000 in unsupported tax deductions, and it's just a civil case? I mean, don't people go to jail for things like that? No. There are about 150 million people will file a tax return this year. The federal government will file criminal charges in about 1,500 cases. Most of those will be against drug dealers or other people engaged in illicit activities or against politicians who are on the take. Uh, we, we make almost no effort to do criminal prosecutions. I, I got a, one of the things I won my Pulitzer for was showing the, all these uh, businessmen, 15 of them that I named, who were saying, I don't pay taxes. I don't withhold taxes from my workers' paychecks. I haven't done it for 20 years. And that's the proof the income tax is voluntary. And after I put it on the front page of the New York Times, they all got indicted and went to prison. But the government hadn't done anything about him for years. You really think Trump pays no 
federal income taxes. Well, if Donald owns as much real estate as he says, Congress says he doesn't have to pay taxes. There is a special rule for real estate developers. And there's a saying among these folks uh, that if you're a major real estate family and you're paying income taxes, you should sue your tax advisors (laughs) for malpractice. So if he owns a lot of money, he wouldn't be paying a lot of buildings that are actually valuable in his name. He wouldn't be paying income taxes. But in addition, there's a very interesting thing that happened. The Cranes Business News found out that Donald got something in New York called the Star Property Tax Rebate. He had a little check from the state of New York. To qualify, you have to make under $500,000 a year. And Donald has said, oh, this is a mistake. It went, you know, we changed addresses and stuff. It has nothing to do with that. The computer looks at your state tax return, and if the key line is below 500000 they send you a check. And so I think that that shows pretty clearly that for tax purposes, Donald's reported income is under $500,000 a year, and that's why one of the reasons he'll never show us his tax returns. The others are people like me could back-engineer them and tell you how much his buildings are really worth. And we could tell you perhaps uh, if he has connections with Russian oligarchs and Russian money launderers beyond what we already know. It's like the old uh, Steve Martin routine, how to make a million dollars and not pay any taxes. First, make a million dollars, then don't pay any taxes. And when the IRS knocks on your door, you say, I forgot. <laughs> well, I thought you are done with the other one, which is how, do you, how to become a millionaire. Start with a billion dollars and manage it. <laughs> right. Exactly. So this is a knowledgeable guess that Trump pays no taxes? Well, what? yeah. And I mean, I, Jacob, I know enough about tax law that even though I'm not a lawyer, I've taught it for years at Syracuse University's College of Law. And I'm drafting a whole new federal tax code to soup to nuts, a white paper. And the leading tax professors and policy walks in the country, you know, they all respect my insights on this. So it's not like I'm some blowhard. I really deeply know this stuff. My guest today has been David K. Johnston. He's the author of The Making of Donald Trump. David, thanks for joining me on the show. Jacob, thank you. That's it for today's show. Trumpcast was produced by Jason DeLeon. Steve Lichtai is the executive producer of Slate Podcast. Andy Bowers is our chief content officer. John D. Domenico is our voice of Donald Trump. And hey, if you haven't left us a comment in iTunes, do me a solid and give us a rating and review. Thanks for listening to Trumpcast. I think it's an absolute disgrace how MSNBC and CNN cover my speeches live from end to end, unedited, and then take my words out of context. They're terrible people.